Thank you for tuning in to the podcast of Western Heights Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. We exist to exalt Christ, equip the church, and engage the community. For more info, visit whbcwaco.org. W.E. Sangster. I read the story about W.E. Sangster, who was a he's a late he's a late composer, writer, author. Uh, he was invited to a party, to a wedding party. Although he did not know the individual who was getting married, he was invited, so he went to this party, uh, and he went there, and as he got out of the party, a little bit late, everybody was already enjoying the festivities, and they were singing, they were dancing, you know, they, they, were, they were enjoying the festivities, and, and the cake, and the punch, and all this stuff. Everybody's wearing little paper party hats, and they were just having a blast. He said, it really looked like a good time that everybody was having. As the party progressed, he noticed a young woman sitting over in the corner by herself. She did not seem to be involved in the festivities. And so he went to the person who invited him to the party, and even though he'd made eye contact with this woman, and she smiled, you know, very nicely, he didn't know who she was. So he went and asked the the person who invited him, he said, "Uh, who is this young lady sitting over in the corner? He goes, oh, you don't know her? That's the bride. You must really get to know her. She's a really nice person. Imagine that. You're the bride at your own wedding party, and you're sitting off on the side not enjoying the festivities. I have a feeling that is the way that Jesus is this Christmas season, is that we enjoy all the festivities and all the activities of Christmas, but somehow or other we've relegated Jesus to the side, and we don't really acknowledge that He is the reason for the season. It seems like we can't tolerate this idea of Christ being in Christmas. It just seems like something we can't do. So we prefer to say happy holidays or, you know, have a good day or whatever. Uh, but we, we've relegated Jesus as secondary. I remember reading the story of two little kids who went to a local store and they were standing in the, in the line and they looked up and they saw a manger scene on display in the window and one kid said, look at that, look at that. Now they're even trying to bring religion into Christmas. I believe that is, that is the way that society is today. Uh, I, most of the celebration of His birth has very little to do with Jesus. Has very little to do with him. And we, the fact of the matter is, is we cannot genuinely celebrate Christmas until we recognize what Jesus Christ has done for us and what we are to do for him in light of this Christmas season. Two weeks ago, we looked at Herod and we talked about how he rejected the Christ of Christmas, and how people today may reject the Christ of Christmas. Then last week, we looked at the story of the innkeeper, and we speculated of why he missed Christmas, and we speculated how, why people might miss Christmas today. Today, I want us to look at Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20, and we're going to look at the story of the shepherds. And we're going to look at this, this story of the shepherds and find out how we can experience the Christ of Christmas. And we'll look at these words this morning under the heading, How Can We Experience the Christ of Christmas? And I think as we look at this, it will provide some insightful insights that will help us or give us a basic plan of how we can experience the Christ of Christmas. Listen to what God's Word says. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. 
An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The first truth I want you to grasp from this story is to experience the Christ of Christmas, it must be personal. To experience the Christ of Christmas, it must be personal. We see in verse 8 that there are shepherds living out in the fields. They're taking care of the flock. They're taking care of the sheep. Nothing spectacular is mentioned about these individuals. It doesn't say that these are special shepherds, that they deserve the message more than other shepherds. It just said there were shepherds living out in the field. These were just common individuals. The scripture does not give us any particular characteristics of these shepherds. But it's to these shepherds that the angel brought a beautiful message. And he said, hey, to you a Savior is born. He is Christ the Lord. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord, which is the word used for God. He is Christ the Lord. And as suddenly as, the, as that angel had appeared and gave that announcement to the shepherds, a heavenly choir joined in around them, a heavenly host, and other angels, other heavenly hosts joined with and said, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom His favor rests. But just as suddenly as the choir appeared, just as suddenly as the angel appeared, suddenly they were gone. And it was quiet. The music hushed, the echoes died out on that first Christmas night. The light faded. It was dark. It was quiet. You could almost, the, the silence was deafening, if you know what I mean. And they were left in wonder, they were left in awe. What did the shepherds do? What did the shepherds do? Now suppose with me for a moment. Suppose that they settled down around their campfires and they talked about the angel's message. Uh, they debated it. They quarreled over the different, under, the different interpretations of what exactly had happened. But they never actually went out to see if it was true. Imagine years later, 50, 60, 70 years later, an old shepherd is sitting around the campfire. He's got all the little young shepherds with him. And he's sitting around the campfire. He goes, yes. Maybe he's on his two little canes, you know, struggling to get up. He says, yes, I remember a night like this. It was a quiet night, a still night. When all of a sudden, out of the stillness of the night and the quietness and the darkness, an angel appeared out of the sky. And the angel said, 
don't be afraid, because I was afraid. I was afraid because I had never seen an angel before. I'd never experienced an angel before. But the angels told me not to be afraid. And then he said, I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. He said, and then the, the old angel, almost with excitement, he gets up on his cane. He says, and then, as suddenly as that one angel appealed, a whole host of angels appeared around him, and they sang in, in heavenly unison, the choirs, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to men whom his favor rests. And then they were gone. And all the young, all the young shepherds are sitting there, mouth wide open. Was it true? Did it really happen? Did, was it really the way that the angel said? And the old shepherd would sit down on his cane. He says, I don't know. I didn't go check it out. Some people said it was true. Other people said it was just a myth. I don't know. I stayed behind. And I didn't go see if it was real. What a sad story. But that's not what happened. That's not what happened. The passage says, verse 15, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Then in verse 16, we see that they hurried off. And what they find? They found a baby lying in the manger. That doesn't sound like the action of disinterested people. That doesn't sound like people that didn't care. It sounds like they really wanted to know, is this the truth? Is what the angel said? Is what the heavenly choir sang? Is it true? And apparently they didn't even take their sheep. We don't know this for sure, but, but sheep would have slowed them down. They want to know, we have got to check this out. We don't have time to wait. So they hurried rapidly to get there to check it out. You can sense the urgency of the moment. They had to check and see if the story was true. You see what they did? They heard the good news. They heard the promise. They heard the choir. But they had to make sure of it personally. So they went and investigated it on their own. Everything else was secondary. Nothing else mattered. But they had to find out, was this story true? And so they went. And they checked it out. And guess what? When they got there, they were not disappointed at what they saw. The angel said, you will see a baby lying in a manger. And guess what? They go, and what did they see? They saw a baby lying in a manger. In other words, the word of the angels was verified by exactly what they saw. Here's what I want you to get on. This is free. This is not in my sermon. God's Word, what He says in His Word, would never be contradicted. If He says it, it's going to be true. It's going to happen. So the angels said that, and they didn't find something different out. They went and discovered it was exactly as they said. So you could say verse 16, it says they validated what they heard. Their personal experience proved the reality of what they heard. The birth of the baby became personal to each one of the shepherds.
And this Christmas season, a sermon after sermon is going to be preached about the Bethlehem babe. And probably, if, I wouldn't be a bit surprised if every church in Waco is preaching something about Christmas. If they're not doing it this Sunday, they're going to be doing something about it next Sunday. They are going to be sharing something. And the question you have to ask, what are you going to do? What are you going to do with this message? Is it going to become personal to you? Are you going to go and check him out and see if it really did happen? If it's really true, are you going to investigate it and see? Or are you just going to settle down around your little campfire and wonder about the truthfulness of this message? Or are you going to make the Christ of Christmas your personal Savior as well? Check it out and see what happens. To experience the Christ of Christmas, it must be personal. Second truth, to experience the Christ of Christmas, it must be made public. If the story ended there, we'd have a nice little story, but we wouldn't know about it. Notice what happens in verse 17. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. Again, you get the sense of urgency. This is something that had to be shared. There was no hesitancy in their, in their sharing. Their personal experience became a public experience. It wasn't enough for them to know it personally. They had to tell others. They had to communicate with others the truth of this message. And it says that they publicized it everywhere. The King James says they, they told it abroad. They told it abroad. That's not good enough. Abroad means like they became missionaries, went overseas and told people. No. They became missionaries right where they were. Everybody they came in contact with, they told. They told the story of what they experienced. And, and the wording there in the, the Greek, the Greek word there is an interesting word. The verb is a, uh, has this, has someone who has come to know something not previously known, and in his excitement of finding this out, he proceeds to tell others. It's like, man, <laughs> I've got news that you don't know anything about. I'm the only one who knows that I can't wait to tell you about it. And they, they can't hold themselves in. That's what they're trying to do in this passage. Now, you know, we talk about they said they shared it abroad. They shared it with everyone that they knew. They were so excited about the news that they couldn't wait to share. Let me ask you, what would you do? What would you do if you had that kind of news? What would you do if you'd heard the news about this, this Christ child that was born and he's the Savior of the world? What would you do? Would you keep it to yourself? Or would you share it? You see, their personal experience became public proclamation of the good news. I want you to notice one more thing about it. Look at, this. Look at the passage, verse 17. Let's read it again. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. Did you see it? Did you hear it? Let me read it again. When they'd seen him, when they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about him. This is what I want you to get. They didn't go and talk about a child. Oh, we saw a child. They went and talked about who that child was. They, they were told, He is Christ the Lord. He is a Savior. They went and said, A Savior has been born. A Savior has come to us. They didn't just talk about a child in, 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 the, in, in the manger. They went and talked about a Savior who had been given to them. That's what they went and talked about. They proclaimed what they heard about Him. They had heard that a Savior of the world had come, so they proclaimed that. That was the message on that first Christmas day. Unto us is born a Savior. Unto us is born the Christ. 
Unto us is born the Lord. That's the message that they proclaim. And guess what? It's still true today. It is still the message that we are to proclaim this day and age. Just because we did not personally see it did not mean we did not experience it. You know what Jesus said? You know what Jesus said about you? And you know what he said about me? He said, blessed are those who have not seen, but yet they still believe. That's us. We did, anybody here, anybody, anybody see the earth? Anybody? I didn't think so. I just wanted to make sure. You know, you know, uh, none of us, none of us witnessed the birth of Jesus. But we know about it. We know about it. And according to Jesus, we are blessed. Because we haven't seen him, but yet we believe in him. You see, when Christ has become personal to you, you can't help but proclaim it. You can't help but make him known. Matter of fact, can I just submit something to you for your consideration this morning? If you don't want to tell anybody about Jesus, you better make sure you know Jesus. I'm not saying you have to be an evangelist. I'm not saying you have to be fluent in Greek and Hebrew and all that stuff. I'm not even saying you have to be a preacher. But if you can't tell somebody, hey, I know Jesus, do you? Then you better find out if you even know Jesus. Because if you know good news, you want to share it with others. And I wonder, I wonder about how much you love your friends, how much you love other people, if you're not willing to give them the best news they can ever hear. Does that seem too harsh? Perhaps, you remember the old song, some of you may not know this, we used to sing a song, you sing it around the campfire, youth camp, you know, pass it on, pass it on. Uh, and I think the, the words would go, I'll shout it from the mountaintop, I want the world to know, the Lord, the Lord above has come to earth, I want to pass it on. Perhaps that should be our song, we want to pass it on, because the Lord has come to earth, and we want to pass it on to Him. That's when God has come to us personally. Now, I know what some will say. I know. I hear it all the time. Pastor, what's the use? Nobody's going to listen. Nobody really cares. Nobody really wants to know anything about Jesus, about Christ. I'll just be wasting my time. So I'll just come and I'll sit in my nice little wooden pews and I'll sing to him myself. But I'm not going to bother to tell anybody. I got some words of encouragement for you. Look at verse 18. Verse 18 says, And all who heard it, all heard, well, all that heard the news about what they had, what they had heard, all those who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. That word amazed, it means to be astonished or to be in awe. It does not say they believed. It does not say they accepted the message. But here's the thing. They heard it and they said, this is amazing. This is amazing. I'm in awe of this. Here's the point. It does not say they believe, but the, faith, but the shepherds were faithful to the message. And here's the thing for you and me to understand. The world may not accept what we have to say. They may reject it. They may laugh. They may mock. And they may turn their back on the Christ of Christmas. We are to still be faithful to proclaim the message. Regardless of what the, they're responsible for their actions, we are responsible for our actions. 
And we are to proclaim that message to the people. Not all of them believed, but the shepherds were faithful. And we too must be faithful to what we know is the truth. What do we know is the truth? Brother Aaron, we know that He is a God of love. We know that. And so we proclaim He is a God of love. We know that He is a God of mercy. Therefore, we proclaim that He is a God of mercy. We know that He is a God of grace. Therefore, we proclaim that He is a God of grace. We know that He is a God of salvation. Therefore, we proclaim that He is a God of salvation. We also know that it is His will that none should perish, but that all come to eternal life. So we proclaim it's not God's will for you to perish, but for that you come to eternal life. We know His will. We know what He wants us to do, and we know that about Him. So therefore, we communicate that truth in the most effective way, in the best way that we can, so that the largest number of people can hear the message. That's why we do a contemporary service. That's why we, because why? Why do we do a contemporary service? Because we're trying to reach people that we haven't reached in 30 years. We haven't reached them in 20 years. But they're out there. They're moving in our area. They're coming. They have a different vibe. They have a different culture. They have a different mindset. They listen to different music. Some of them, you listen to rap. Ooh, yuck. I actually rapped when I was a young, when I was teaching teenagers. Y'all know that? Yeah, we, 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 we wrote a little rap song. It said, God made Adam and God made Eve. And then he told them never to leave. <laughs> Why do we do that? Why? It's so that we can communicate the gospel. We can communicate the truth that God loves you. God loves you. And this is the best way. He sent his one and only son to be born in a manger. And guess what? The Christ of Christmas became the Christ of Calvary, the Savior of the world. That is good news, and it is worth sharing. And if you don't want to share that message, guess what? You are religious, but you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Does that seem harsh? Well, God forbid that we proclaim the truth and hurt your feelings. It's the truth. Whether you like it or not, it's the truth. And God loves you so much that He sent His Son for you and for me. And when you personally receive Him as your Lord and Savior, guess what? You proclaim Him. You shout it from the mountaintops. I want the world to know the Lord of love has come and I want to pass it on. There's one more truth I want you to grasp from this passage. To experience the Christ of Christmas, God must be glorified. Look at what it says in verse 20. The shepherds returned. That would be so easy, wouldn't it? To come to the Christmas festivities, open our little packages, and then return to life the way we've entered it. No change, no difference. It's just another festivity that we enjoy, and we go about our normal routine. That's what we normally do. Uh, that's the way things is. How easy it is to go through the Christmas celebration and be unchanged. But I'm glad that's not the last words of the Scripture. 
Notice what it says. It said, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God. They went and saw the Christ of Christmas, and they left praising and glorifying God for everything they had heard and seen, which was just as they had been told. Again, did not contradict what they saw. Their lives were changed. In the midst of the celebration, in the midst of the news that they received, they did not forget who deserved the praise. God deserved the praise. God deserved the glory. God deserved the honor. They had a proper frame of mind when they recognized that this was Christ, the Savior, the Lord. And they gave the proper acknowledgement where it needed to be. We need to grasp this truth today. We get so caught up in the celebration of Christmas that I think we forget the event itself. We forget the significance of the event. We forget that God made all this possible. We forget that, that in, his, in, his, in, his, uh, in His sovereignty, in His deity, He looked down upon us and He said, I want to communicate to them so much my love for them. They won't listen to my prophets. They won't listen to, to my, the ones that I send. He said, how am I going to communicate to them? He said, I know what I'll do. I'll know what I'll do. I'll become one of them. I will become one of them. And I will live amongst them. And I will point them in the right direction. I will show them how life is to be lived. And I will show them love and compassion and grace and, and, and mercy and all this. And I will show them that. And then they will believe in me. But I'll, I'll go one step further. Not only will I show them what to do, I will willingly give my life for them. Then they will believe. Then they will believe. And that's exactly what he did. God, Emmanuel. God with us. God with us. God literally left the glory of heaven, emptied himself of his glory, and humbled himself and took on the form of a person. Literally clothed himself in humanity so that we might know him in a true and infant way. That's what he did. But we forget this. We forget it. But Jesus came, and the world has never been the same since. He changed the world, and that message still resonates, and it still changes hearts. It still changes lives today. Don't forget the Christ of Christmas. Don't forget why he came and the purpose that he still comes into people's lives today. Some of you need to examine your heart today. Threefold application. Let me make them real quick. Some of you need to examine your heart. You know Jesus. You know God. But you don't know Him. You don't know Him because you haven't had a personal experience with Him as the Savior of your life. Today, you need to accept the Christ of Christmas as your personal Savior. You don't have to understand everything there is to know about Him. All you need to know is this, I am a sinner, 
and I cannot have a relationship with God because of my sin. But I know that Jesus paid the price for my sins. And I accept his payment for my sins today. And today I want to surrender my life to him. God will work out the rest of it. Why? Because he's going to pour his Holy Spirit into you. And this church body is going to love you and care for you and we're going to help you and we're going to instruct you and we're going to help you to what? To obey all things that Christ has commanded. We're going to help you do that. But the first thing you have to say is acknowledge that you're a sinner and you need Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. There's some of you that might need to do that. There may be others of you. Probably well, most of us are in this boat, okay? Can we just be honest? We know Jesus. We've known him since we were this, this tall. Well, this tall, okay? We've known him. We've been raised in church. But we don't really proclaim him. We don't really make him known the way we should. Maybe, not, maybe it's not so much what we, what we do is what we don't do. We don't do. We don't make him accessible to others. We don't help others come to know. Instead, we create more of a burden, a hindrance, than we do a help. And so God's word to you is that make the Christ of Christmas known this Christmas season. This Christmas season. And finally, one last thing. You know him, you're going to proclaim him. Give God the glory. When you come into the house of God, you ought to sing and give him the glory for everything he's done and give him honor, give him praise. He is worthy of all of our worship. He deserves all of our worship. I know we talk about, well, I can't carry, I can't sing a note in a bucket, I can't do anything. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. You are singing to the Lord. You ain't singing to the preacher. You ain't singing to the choir. You ain't singing to the person sitting next to you. If, if, if you sing off key, they'll just get off key with you. That's okay. Because guess what? To God, it is beautiful noise. It's beautiful noise. We ought to give Him the praise. We ought to give Him the glory. So this Christmas season, make Him your personal Savior. Tell us someone about Jesus. Proclaim His name and give God the glory.